I'm Janice uh, in his Rio Rancho, New Mexico, and I'm an alcoholic. And thank you for inviting me. Um, so I got myself some notes because I, I tend to I tend to babble if I don't have something written down. Um, so I didn't. I uh, first thing I wanted to say is I don't have an. I hear a lot about uh, traumatic family lives in in uh, alcohol. Anonymous, and I was one of those lucky people who had a pretty normal family life. I had parents who loved me and supported me. I had uh, an aunt and uncle who were like grandparents to me. Um, so I didn't have any of that. Um, however, both my parents were chronically ill. So I had what went along with that. And part of my mother's problems is that she had uh, major depression. And uh, and I was diagnosed with depression when I was about 12 years old, but um, never, I, w I wasn't treated uh, at that point in time. Heavens, there wasn't anything they would have done because they didn't think kids back then and in the early 1960s, they didn't think kids got depressed. So, um, so that started before I started drinking. So I know that the, the depression came before, before the drinking came along. Um, I lived in Kansas. It was a... Well, it wasn't a dry state, but there was no liquor by the drink, and uh, you had to buy things at liquor stores, and uh, the only thing that you could get at what they would consider a bar um, was 3.2 beer, and uh, I had never liked American beer. Um, it was only when I got to have Guinness and stuff like that that I liked beer, So I, uh, and I didn't start drinking until I was about 18. Um, and uh, I could drink around my parents. Drinking age was 21, but uh, my parents belonged to to some clubs where you'd have liquor books, uh, so you could you know buy certain kinds of drinks. Um, and that's when I when I started drinking. But I didn't start drinking alcoholically, and and that's kind of surprising to me when I look back at it because there is alcoholism in my family on my mother's side, her father, and. Uh, who I remember seeing maybe, in fact, I'm not even sure I remember seeing him. I've been told I saw him a couple of times and uh, her brother who I didn't know, she even had a brother till I was in college and he showed up on our doorstep. Um, so I can remember when I started drinking, I said, you, um, you know, there's alcoholism in my family. I have to be careful. I can never take a drink if I need one. And you know what happens with those kind of uh, things. Uh, that went by the base wayside. Um, so I went to college. I got married two years into uh, a Marine. Lots of fun being a military wife in the 1970s here. Um, and uh, I finished school and he, um, he was serving. And uh, so we were apart for two years. And by the time we got back together, um, we were kind of different people. So the marriage didn't, marriage lasted about seven years. And I was drinking and as I drank, as time went by, I got, you know, I started drinking heavier and heavier. I didn't realize that until I started doing a drunk log at one point um, when I wrote it down. Um, so we got divorced. I moved to Houston. This is when Houston was booming. And I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't, I wasn't, didn't make a lot of money. Um, and we were in the middle of the gas crunch, which meant I couldn't get gas 
all that often. And I had an old older car, so I basically could drive to work and back. Uh, and uh, I could go around the houses, places around. So I started going to the bars uh, for happy hour because you could actually eat your, eat your dinner at happy hour in those, those days. And it was in that year that I went over the line uh, for being a heavy drinker, to being an alcoholic. And then it took me another 23 years to get to AA. So I was about 29, I guess, uh, when, you know, that's when I figure I went over that line. I was periodic. So I could go for long periods of time without drinking. Um, I didn't drink every day. Uh, I did a lot of bar drinking. Uh, it's a wonder I only have one DWI, but when I moved to Texas, that's where I was living then, uh, there was no such thing as, as <laughs> there wasn't even an open container law. So, um, you know, so I, I, you know, I remember being stopped by the cops wanting just being sent home. Um, but it was way later after MAD was founded and, and the pendulum was flying the other way before I ever got a DWI. Anyway. So um, things went on. Um, I, uh, you know, like I said, I could, I could go for long periods without drinking. Um, I could stop even till the time that I stopped drinking, you know, until I got into AA, there were still times I could, I could moderate. I mean, I could have a couple glasses of wine and get up, go home. But I still did a lot of bar drinking. And my poor, my poor second husband, um, I'd say I was working late and then I'd be at the bar for an hour and a half or something and then I'd drive home. Uh, so, and I did that and, it, you know, we moved from Houston to San Antonio and it got worse. And I had a DWI when I was in, in 1996. Um, I went to one AA meeting. I didn't find anything but differences and everybody was smoking and I'm a non-smoker and I, you know, I thought I was going to die before I got out of that meeting. Um, so fast forward, um, to 2004, um, so I, had, I stopped off at the bar after work and I, I hadn't had much to eat that day. So what I remember is I had a couple of glasses of wine and I probably had more than that, but I don't remember. And I, so I got in the car and I drove, you know, I was driving home, um, and, I had been having, got to the point where I was having black, well, I'd say blackouts and I'd, I'd find myself somewhere off the, on the freeway having to walk to a gas station. And uh, this time, um, instead of doing that, I rolled my car off the feeder road or on the, from the freeway overpass onto the feeder road and uh, should have killed myself, but I, I did major damage. I cut tend tendons, I degloved my arm, you know, I bruised an eye. And uh, the only reason I didn't end up in the wake up in jail ward was because my DWI that was supposed to stay on the books for 10 years and they either spelled my name wrong or it got, it got deleted early. So I dodged that bullet, but I woke up, you know, I've never remembered the accident, probably a good idea. I woke up at like about five in the morning with my husband looking at me and saying, you know, laying in the hospital bed and hurting like hell, didn't do that on purpose, did you? And I said, no. So I didn't know that was my fault. So I worked at it and I, you know, I ended up getting most of my function back, but you know, I have a, a, a skin graft and my, my fingers on my left hand don't straighten. They work, but they don't straighten. And, uh, but you know, that would have got a lot of people into AA. 
I didn't get there for another year and a couple of months. I, um, I couldn't drink around my husband anymore, but if he was out of town, I could, you know, go and have a couple drinks a night. And, you know, I really didn't drink much at all. And then something happened at work and something happened at work that I decided was unfair. And I ended up back at the bar. And in two weeks, I went for one glass of wine to driving home really sloshed. And I got home and my husband had enough. He started throwing things out of the house. And uh, he did bring things back in, but he didn't talk to me the next morning. He didn't put on his wedding ring. Uh, I knew I was in, yeah, deep shit. Um, and for some reason, that just happened to be the morning that I got knocked enough on the head. I went in the bathroom with the mirror and said, you're an alcoholic and you need help. And because I'd had that one meeting I, um, back in 96, I knew about central office. So I went downstairs and I called and I got a meeting for that night. And I asked for a non-smoking women's meeting. Of course, by that time, smoking, at least in the United States, had uh, been banned inside the rooms. Um, so I go to this meeting, I call my husband and I beg for one last chance and he gives it to me. And I, I go to the meeting that night and I got the location for one side of the street and the um, time for the others. So I ended up getting into this meeting halfway through, which was probably pretty good because I was an atheist by then. I've been an atheist since my mid twenties. And, uh, I missed, what I missed was all the God stuff. I heard people's stories. I could relate to those stories. I felt at home. And uh, after the meeting, I went up and said, how do you join? And they gave me phone numbers. And, and I'm sure they expected me back at another meeting uh, during that week. And when I, you know, I only came back that next Friday, you know, hell, I didn't know about going to more than one meeting. And I didn't realize how, why they were so glad to see me until <laughs> much later. Anyway, I hadn't, you know, I remember my, my, I had two sponsors go out on me very quickly. And my third sponsor told me after I'd been sober a year, do you remember reading the steps and saying, I don't know if I can do this because I'm an atheist? And I said, no, I don't remember saying it, but I'm sure I did. Well, what I was lucky is my second sponsor who got me through, through my inventory in step five, she was agnostic. And so we kind of slid through two and three. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I always said that I was able to do it in traditional AA because of Jimmy Burwell and the God as you understand God at the end of step three. I don't think AA would have spread around the world if that hadn't been there because that gave people some kind of out about God. And it allowed for stuff besides Christianity, even though the book is heavenly Christian. Um, so anyway, so... I had done that inventory and that had done well. And I went on vacation. I came back. My second sponsor had come out, had gone out and never got back in, in and out, in and out, and in and out. And uh, I didn't ask the last time I was back there. I didn't see her. I was afraid to ask. I don't know what had happened. Um, so I got this third sponsor and uh, she, she was much more gaudy. And she kept saying, you're going to have to have a, get a God with a big G. And uh, I tried. And then Katrina happened. And I said, oh, no, I can't do this. And I told my husband, I thought, I'm not sure I can stay because I can't believe in her God. Well, luckily, I started going to a treatment center with a group of women from uh, that Friday night group. 
at about a month sober and I had them to talk to. And I had one woman in particular, her name was Martha. She and I are still very good friends. And she said, no, you don't have to believe like Sue believes. And that's why, that's why I'm still here, I think. Um, so as time got, went on, um, I kept on working. I got a year sobriety and I realized that things hadn't gotten any better at work. That was one of my excuses for drinking. If you have my job, you drink too. And uh, the fact that it got worse, but I didn't want to drink over it anymore. So when I was about a little over three years sober, uh, we retired um, we retired early because we both lost our parents within, I lost my father and he lost, my husband lost his mother in about a four month period of time. And uh, they both left us money. We did not know that they were going to leave us. And so we had enough to, to, uh, to retire early and he was tired of living in San Antonio with all the military stuff. And I was tired of living where the, where if you weren't, uh, right of, you know, if you weren't right of a tell of the Hun, uh, they thought you were a communist. Um, it's what pushed me over the line from, I grew up uh, in a Republican family and I, I went over the line uh, left of center living in San Antonio. So um, had to get out of Texas. So we moved to New Mexico. We, we researched this so we know we'd end up, you know, because we'd gone to San Antonio because my husband's job, it was either there or go back to the East Coast and East Coast were real expensive and San Antonio was not. Um, but we probably would have gone to the East Coast if we had known how bad the politics were gonna be. So, um, so we moved to New Mexico. And uh, so we'll be in New Mexico ever since. Um, and I have about, I have 16 years and about three months now. So I'm proof you can do this without having a higher power. Um, because I knew, I mean, in traditional meetings, I'll say, and I do believe this to a point that my higher power is a group of drunks as Alcoholics Anonymous as a, as a whole. Uh, and all the people who've come before. Um, but I, I credit myself with being able to do this is because when I walked in the door, I knew I wasn't running the world and it was a good thing. And that made it possible for me to do the work, to look in the mirror and, you know, look at myself and say, there are things that aren't right here. Um, so um, I didn't find Secular AA until uh, COVID. I have a sponsee who's, who's also an atheist and her sister uh, tuned us into California meetings and it's just gone from there. So I um, I don't know how long I've been battling, but you know, I, like I said, I don't have much of a drunkalog um, as far as I can see, but I really, you know, I, this last 16 years has been, have been the best years of my life. It, and uh, it saved my marriage. So we've been married over 30 years now. Um, I was lucky to have a husband who liked what I became uh, when I got sober. That doesn't always happen. I've seen a lot of divorces and he's a normie. So, you know, he never really did understand. Uh, and because he's a normie, there's still alcohol in the house. I was very lucky that I didn't realize it, but once I had looked in that mirror and said, you're now calling you need help, I had a physical desire to drink for a long time. And then I'd have, you know, these little mental urges. Oh, it'd be nice to have a glass of wine. And then I'd remember where I came from. 
And if I had anything serious, I'd go back to my doctor. And But by then I'd been on antidepressants for years and I still am, I'll have to be all my life. But, uh, you know, so I, you know, I, uh, I credit AA was, was having the life I have now. And I credit being able to stay in AA because I, I started service work so early and I had the people to talk to. And I've done it all. I got out here and I've been to GSR and I went to district and I went to area. And um, after, uh, and I was secretary for the district. And after that, well, it was like a GSR for about three years because I got in the middle of the term. And by the time that was up, I said, I've had enough of this. And I, you know, I backed out of everything I was doing, even my central office shift. Uh, and for a year, looking at what I really wanted to do in AA, and I don't want to get back into the politics. I like, I like leading meetings. I like having a central office shift. I like going to treatment centers. Um, I'll probably, when, when they start allowing us to go back out to the women's prison and grants, I think I'm going to try to try to do that again. I had to drop that when uh, I got so involved in district and area. So um, that's what I have, guys. Um, thank you for, for asking me to speak. Um, and I'm done. <laughs>